welcome to Sprott Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Partner at Sprott Asset Management. Uh, with me today is a special guest, Nick Pickens, Research Director, Global Mining at Wood McKenzie. Nick, thank you for joining Sprott Radio today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah, good to talk to you today. Well, Nick, you know, I want to get into a couple things today, but specifically, I want to get into what you guys call the red metal. Uh, copper, you know, copper is a um, an interesting metal that's been around for forever, really. And, uh, you know, most people have some experience with copper in their homes or, you know, in their electrical outlets and so forth. But now it's becoming quite a modern metal. And I thought with over the 20 years of experience you have in the metals and mining sector, um, it'd be great to hear your insight into copper and really talk a little bit more about yourself, your background, and a bit about Wood McKenzie uh, before we go into the red metal. Um, give us a little bit of your background and how you got involved with this this part of the market. Sure. Th- thanks, Ed. Yeah. yeah so I've, as you say, I've, I've been looking into the mining and metal sector now for, for getting on for, t- for 20 years. That's actually my background is, is, a, is, a, is um, as a geologist. Um, that's what I, I studied. And obviously, there's a sort of natural progression into, into metals from there. And I've spent, say, half of that time looking at the copper market in particular. So I've been lucky enough to sort of travel around the world and visit different copper mining operations and meet lots of people from, from end users to, to, to mining companies and so on. So it's uh, been a big, big part of my career. And and what about Wood McKenzie? Talk a little bit about your work over there. You know, I spent a bit of time getting ready for this podcast, looking at a lot of the white papers and research reports you've all done. And you guys take very deep dives into the different metals from a supply standpoint, a demand standpoint, functionality standpoint, what are these metals used for and, and so forth. So talk a little bit about your work at Wood McKenzie and how people could actually get access to that information as well. I think in sort of natural resources space, it's, it's a pretty well-known company. We've been around for a long time now, and I'm really... Our core business is around market intelligence and research and thought leadership across energy. Um, it was, you know, it's been known for in the oil and gas sector and, and renewables and so on, but also in, in, in metals and mining as well. As you say, we, you know, we have a, a global team based in different markets that spend spend our time really digging deep in, into the numbers and also thinking about the future what the various different natural resources are looking like in a, in a rapidly changing world. And clearly, a lot of the focus at the moment is around energy and metals fits into that picture better than, than it ever has done. Um, and, and, and so that sort of combination of the, the energy team uh, and ourselves in the mining and metal side is um, is really focused on on that and the outlook for, for, for the energy transition. You know, you focusing on copper, Maybe you saw this coming, maybe you didn't, but can you believe you're sitting here now in the front and center sort of talking about one of the most modern metals out there? I read something recently that there's six or seven times more copper used in an electric, you know, battery-powered car than there is in a gasoline car. If you think about the history of that and, and what all these auto manufacturers are trying to achieve, we're going to need a lot more copper, right? I know there's some recyclable copper out there and so forth, but talk a bit about that. What's what's going on? You know, how have you how is that transition really taken shape over the last decade, call it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think back in the early part of my career, the, the structural change in the market, if you like, that that kind of feels similar with the sort of China boom, right? And that was where we, where everyone realized, I think, from a commodities and mining perspective, how important copper was going to be. And, and, and a lot of that demand was really around fixed asset investment and construction infrastructure, building out of emerging economies and so on. And it has been a you know a long time since we we started to see these new technologies building out and you know building into our models and our thinking about how copper might be used in in EVs. But if you think back, even only five years ago, when people talked about EVs, it was something 
that you know, I think most people took with a pinch of salt, right? So, but it has it's really gathered momentum over over I would say the last three to four years um, in in really quite a, an incredible way. And as I say, you know, we are embarking now in really quite an amazing journey for for metals um, and for copper in, in particular. And we are seeing you know a, a truly a, a structural change. I think it's not just copper. There's an awful, awful lot of different metals that are going to be involved in in that shift away from from fossil fuels and from from hydrocarbon. Um, but one thing to show, you know, if you look at every end use that's involved in that energy transition, it's pretty hard to find one that doesn't need copper. Mm-hmm. Well, and you just said something I think that even not, even I kind of forget about is is the infrastructure build out, right? Whether it's China or the U.S., we've got to we've got to kind of rebuild a lot of things in this country. And so, at some level, I would suspect that the construction industry and the infrastructure industry is going to be in direct competition with the electric vehicle industry and the auto manufacturing industry on who gets the supply, right? So I got to believe you're seeing some squeeze points along the way with demand, with potentially new mines coming online, the extension or expansion of existing mines. Talk about the the supply side first, because I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot. You know, you hear Ford and you hear Honda and all these auto manufacturer companies out there talking about, hey, we're going to be fully electric by 2030, 2035. Um, but we all forget the the number one thing, which is, well, you need the metal to do that, right? So talk about the supply side. What's happening in that? Is there any new developments going on? And, and how realistic is that for us to get to that carbon neutral future, given the current state of affairs with mines in general and the overall supply? Not only do we have this sort of electric vehicle demand and, and, and energy transition related demand, there's all, all the other stuff that goes on in the usual urbanization trends and building wire and so on. So there is significant demand growth for, for copper over the next 10, 20 years. And if we look at that trajectory, and then we look at where base mine supply is, a gap starts to emerge. It's not unusual in the copper market to see a gap emerging. You need continual capital investment to to continue to generate projects and growth. But if we look on a 10-year timeframe, that gap is looking around about five to six million tons on our, on our base case. This is out of a market where total consumption is around 30 million tons. You know, if, if we if we want to achieve zero carbon targets that have been laid out in the Paris Agreement, the supply that needs to come online, it rises to something more like 10 million tons in, in 10 years' time. Now, the market has never, ever achieved that amount of growth in that time frame, you know, in the history of, of, of copper project development. So that's the challenge. And again, it's not just copper. There's limitations on the mine development of, of all of these energy transition metals. So the question is, what has to happen? And there's a whole host of things. The first is that we need more investment, more capital investment, and a change in attitude towards the capital allocation as well. I think most mining companies want to bring on projects, but they need the investor mandate, and they need to find quality projects that give them decent returns. And they also need to be able to get licensing and permitting in quick and efficient ways, and that needs government support and incentives. So there's lots of levers that need to be pulled in order to help us accelerate that supply. And, and, and really, that's that's where the challenge sits. You, you bring us something up from a government standpoint. It does seem like both sides of the aisle have agreed that we need to move in this direction. And, you know, I always remind people, too, this is not an anti-fossil fuel conversation, right? This, you know, we're still going to need oil. We're still going to need gas. I mean, this is not something that's happening overnight. This is going to happen over decades. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing from a licensing standpoint, from a government standpoint, from policy. Are you seeing a gradual shift to more and more policy being uh, accepting of mines and, and approval of mines and so forth. What's the landscape of, of that right now? You know, it's, it's really interesting at the moment because I think there are lots of contradictions in this energy transition and, and lots of dilemmas. If you talk to 
people in the energy industry, there's a kind of logic going around now where people talk about the energy trilemma, right? You've got security, so energy security, energy affordability, and energy sustainability. And I think that applies to mining and metals and to the copper industry as well. The security element is really what's helping to drive government support at the moment. And this has actually changed pretty quickly over the last 12 to 18 months because we've seen things like the US Inflation Reduction Act coming in, which is supporting more raw material development to some extent, although it's mainly about processing at the moment than it is extraction, but that might change. The EU just last week put out some more legislation around critical minerals and also brought in copper and nickel as strategic minerals in that in that list, which means more support and recognition as these metals get recognized as being important in the energy transition. So we are seeing that security element driving change. And as I say, that's happening quite quickly. Then you have the sustainability part. Um, and I think this is where there's still a, a bit of work to be done in terms of joining the dots for people and for governments that actually mining is the answer in delivering clean energy and, and not the sort of the enemy. <laughs> so mining has to raise its standards and make sure that it's, um, it's meeting all the ESG criteria and so on. But ultimately, you know, if we are going to achieve this zero carbon, we need more investment in mining. So, so that's the sustainability side. And if we look after all of that and the investment comes, then that will look after the affordability element. Because at the moment, the, the risk is that this doesn't happen. Prices increase so much that we just simply can't afford to do, do all of this stuff. Well, you see it in the electric car market in general, right? When Tesla first came out, and this is not a plug for Tesla, but they're, the, they're sort of the, the, the best example of electric cars. When that came out, it was only the wealthiest people could buy a Tesla. If you were driving a Tesla that was like the equivalent of driving a Mercedes or a BMW or a Porsche or whatever it was, now you see more and more auto manufacturers out there bringing in lower price point electric vehicles. Tesla's coming down with uh, lower price point electric vehicles. So I think that happens over time, right? You see that affordability happen. Security, obviously, that is something that has changed drastically. We've all seen that in the last you know year, year and a half. That's probably not going away. You know, political uncertainty is, is the one constant we see. And then the last, I think, what you said, sustainability. That's the thing I think that, that people are trying to get their arms around the most. I agree with you that there's two sides of this story. There's the, there's the extraction, manufacturing, refinement side of the story, which some people don't want to know about that, and they still see that as a negative. But the reality is you can't get to the other side, the sustainability side of consumption, of clean energy without that, right? So I think there's still a lot of education that has to happen out there in this space. And, and you're, you're seeing that talked about more and more. What else should investors be thinking about when they think about not just copper, but battery metals in general? Maybe let's take a step back for a moment and talk a little bit more about that. You know, you guys do a lot of work at Wood McKenzie on all the metals, as you mentioned earlier. What other opportunities or issues are you seeing out there in this energy transition movement? Um, not just copper, but just in general. What, what are you seeing out there? Cathode chemistries have evolved rapidly and they, and they involve a lot of different metals, as, as you say. We've been doing a lot of work on, on thinking about how that might change going forward. And this whole scarcity issue that we've talked about or concerns means that we think actually down the line, we'll get a, a sort of quite a diverse range of different chemistries and different end uses. Because it's not just cars as well. We've got batteries for energy storage and, and other end uses and electronic portables and, and so on. Our view actually is that the sort of predominant battery chemistry in the near term will be probably nickel-based actually. So nickel is clearly a, an important energy transition metal, uh, sort of followed by the sort of iron-based chemistries like LFP, so lithium. 
big, big interest at the moment from certainly people I talk to around the lithium market, and that's the lithium iron phosphate batteries and LFP. Look, if we look at all of those markets, particularly sort of lithium, cobalt, and, and, and of course, one final one, which is probably the less well-known, but it might, kind of the most important in some ways is graphite, part of this of the batteries. If you look at all of those markets, their, their growth is going to be huge. I mean, we think the lithium market over the next 10 years could grow by three times. You know, the nickel market will grow by high double digit numbers as well. It's kind of a story that's replicated really in terms of supply requirement for those commodities as it, as it is in copper. Perhaps the difference with copper is, as you say, it's, it, if you look at it, any uses, it's across the board and nickel, lithium, cobalt, graphite very much specifically relate to those battery uses. Yeah, nothing happens without copper for sure. You can do everything you want, but if you can't connect point A to point B, then it's sort of useless, right? <laughs> so it's like a flashlight without a battery. I've been talking about this for, for quite a while with our investors that metals in general and, and minerals in general have gone from these sort of short-term trades where people try to take advantage of price inefficiencies in the market and trade it like a true commodity to really more long-term investments, that this is something that pensions, endowments are saying, okay, we need to think about this because this is part of our future, probably part of our investment landscape in perpetuity. I mean, this is not going away anytime soon. This will be part of our life going forward. And so it's interesting. This We're at the tip of the spear of really talking about this, trying to educate our investors on it. We've had tremendous interest in this space, and we're trying to continue to, to lean on folks like yourselves and, and, and firms like Wood McKenzie to really help us get educated, but also help educate our investors. So I really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule today to really talk a bit about copper. And, and I'd love to have you maybe back on again towards the end of the year as the, the market continues to progress and, and new things happen in the space and the economy changes, right? A lot of changes have been happening in the last year, year and a half in the market. Love to get some additional insight from you. So before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to leave the investors with or any talking points that you think may be of interest for our listeners to hear? Oh, goodness. I, look, I think this theme isn't going away. And if anything, it's gathering momentum. Well, for those that want to learn more about Wood McKenzie and, and Nick's work, I encourage you guys to all go to WoodMac. It's W-O-O-D-M-A-C.com and take a look at some of their additional market insights and online reports that they produce. It's a, it's a lot of insight. I know us at Sprott, uh, as a firm, we pull a lot of information from your reports and great educational pieces on there. Um, so we really appreciate the work you guys all do there. And, and Nick, thanks again for, for joining Sprott Radio. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Ed. Well, once again, I'm your host, Ed Coyne, and you're listening to Sprott Radio. Thank you for listening. This podcast was provided for information purposes only from sources believed to be reliable. However, Sprott does not warrant its completeness or accuracy. Any opinions and estimates constitute our judgment as of the date of this material and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This communication is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Any opinions and recommendations herein do not take into account individual client circumstances, objectives or needs and are not intended as recommendations of particular securities, financial instruments or strategies. You must make your own independent decisions regarding any securities, financial instruments or strategies mentioned or related to the information herein. This communication may not be redistributed or retransmitted in whole or in part or in any form or manner without the express written consent of Sprott. 
Any unauthorized use or disclosure is prohibited. Receipt and review of this information constitutes your agreement not to redistribute or retransmit the contents and information contained in this communication without first obtaining express permission from an authorized officer of SPROT.